but today, because it's the week before Pentecost Sunday, I wanted, and it's also Mother's Day, I wanted to bring those two ideas together, because actually they do converge, and I want to talk to you about the fierce mothering spirit, all right, the fierce mothering spirit, and I'm taking this from a few different passages about Holy Spirit, but we're going to see in our study today that there are a lot of attributes that Holy Spirit has. How many know God is Father, God is Son, and God is Holy Spirit? That's what Christians believe. We believe in one God that exists in relationship. That one God, so close in relationship that you have to say one. But there are three persons that are a part of that one God. Those three persons are God the Father, right? Daddy, God, Papa. God the Son, Jesus, who we've been talking about for weeks and weeks and weeks. And Holy Spirit. Now, Holy Spirit doesn't necessarily want to be talked about. Have you ever heard Jesus say that in his own teaching? Holy Spirit doesn't draw attention, right? But we're going to draw attention to Holy Spirit because we need to know how to function with and operate with Holy Spirit. And uh, we're going to see that the Holy Spirit is really, and I don't like to say the, I like to say Holy Spirit as a person because I don't call my friend here the Tom. (laughs) Right? Hello, the Tom. (laughs) No, this is Tom, right? And Holy Spirit is the name of the third person of the Trinity. So calling by name, Holy Spirit. I want you to look at Genesis chapter 1. It's amazing, actually, that Father, Son, and Spirit all show up right away in the first book of the Bible. We're going to be drawn more to talking about Holy Spirit in this text this morning. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was formless and void. Something happens between Genesis 1-1 and 1-2 because it says that the earth was formless and void. It actually, it actually means chaos. The word uh, formless and void actually means it was chaotic. Something happens. We don't know what happens. There's a lot of theory. But something happens between Genesis 1-1 and 1-2, and now there's chaos, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. But who shows up in verse 2? And the uh, Who? Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. First thing I want you to write in your notes this morning is that Holy Spirit is the model of motherhood. So we've got Father God, we've got Jesus the Son, and I want you to see this morning, and I want you to see this as biblical, right? I'm not flying off of the you know, just this felt like a good thing to say today, you know, because it's Mother's Day. And how many of you, because God is primarily referred to as masculine, which by the way, how many of you know God is really not either male nor female? He's God, right? But because he is primarily, even in the texts, referred to as masculine, Father always referred to as masculine, the Son always referred to as masculine. How many of you ladies have ever felt like, well, where do I kind of fit in if I'm created in the image of God, and God is all masculine, where, where does this, who I am, where does that fit into the equation? And maybe you have even heard sermons preached, or maybe you found yourself thinking, I'm second rate. And Christianity has done, sometimes has actually played into that, right? And women have been placed in a subjugated second place, not equal to man. It's not biblical, okay? 
But it is what's happened because of the way the Bible's been used. How many of you can use the Bible to subjugate and enslave people? If you don't believe that, revisit history during the Civil War and read all the Bible passages that were used. Hello, right? Slaves, obey your masters, right? But how many know God's full intention was for equality, right? That was his intention. That is, in, in Christ, there's neither male nor female, Jew nor Greek, bond nor free, right? So sometimes the Bible is used to actually make you feel like a second-class person, but that is a misuse of Scripture, isn't it? I want you to see this morning, in your notes, the word for spirit is the word ruach. Everybody say ruach. Come on, get the ch at the end, right? <laughs> yes, lachaim, exactly. Ruach, in your notes, is a feminine noun. Did you know that? The word for spirit that we just read, the word we just read, it's the, the ruach, the spirit of God. That word is a feminine noun, means spirit, wind, breath. Now again, God really is not male or female. We can't classify him as male or female other than the son is forever a Jewish man now. You know that, right? He rose again as a Jewish man, right? But God isn't typically classified. We, you know, we come from him. The reason there are male and females is because we are created in his image. But when we look at this word in the text, it's a feminine word. In fact, out of the 84 Old Testament uses of the words ruach, spirit, in context traditionally assumed to be references to Holy Spirit, 75 times it's either explicitly feminine or it's indeterminable due to the lack of a verb or an adjective. That's how you determine what the gender is in Hebrew. Only nine times can spirit be construed as masculine, and in those cases, it's, it's actually unclear that it's a reference to God's Holy Spirit anyway. So primarily, any time, and it is explicitly in Genesis 1 verse 2, that the word ruach is used, it's a feminine noun. That's actually beautiful, isn't it, ladies? Mothers? that you come from a place in God, there's no better example of mothering than Holy Spirit. And I want us to see that this morning. It's beautiful, actually. So when it says that ru the Ruach of God, the Spirit of God, is moving, it's the word that, that can be translated in your notes, hovering, fluttering, shaking, or vibrating. You, some of you that have been around for a while have heard me talk about the idea of the sound and the vibration that is released over the, over the waters by Holy Spirit. But I want to focus on the, the first word this morning. I want to I focus on the word hovering, and, and you can write this in your notes. A, mothering, a mother's hovering love is from Holy Spirit. How many of you had a mama that hovered over you? Any, anybody have a mama that... That, that hovered over you, that just wouldn't leave you well enough alone. Anybody have a mama like that? That just would not leave you alone. When I was 20, about 20 or 21, I had lived in Nashville for a while and I came home to visit my parents. So I'd lived away from mom and dad for a little while. Anybody else like me left home, went back home? Anybody else's kids left home, came back home, right? So it happens sometimes, right? So I left home, and I came back home to kind of figure out what God was doing in my life. 
And during that season, I started dating this girl that my mom wasn't sure was the best pick for me. And I remember one day I came, well, it was really late one night. I'm 21 years old, right? So I'm an adult now. And in my mind, I think, you know, I come home when I want to come home, right? I came home really late one night. And I, and I snuck in the door and the house is dark. And I went upstairs and I opened the door and I went to get in my bed. And my mama was in my bed. <laughs> I was 21 years old. And my mama was in my bed waiting for me to come home to talk to me. And we had a talk that night, right? His mom was concerned. She wasn't telling me, you know, you're an adult. You can date who you want to, son. But I'm concerned about you. I'm concerned about the direction your life is going. Why? Because she loves me, right? That, that, and nobody, nobody does that like a mama, right? Nobody hovers over our lives like a mama. I am 40 hmm, now, right? And my mama is still, thanks, Royce, appreciate that. Yep, God bless you. Can we edit, edit that from the radio program? Thank you. It's staying in there, right? Uh-huh. So uh, there's always a heckler, right? And, you know, I'm 49 now, and still, my mom, when I, when I called and told her, because I, I talked to her before I talked to you guys about transitioning out as pastor, and because uh, there was really no one else to talk to, and Tana was kind of tired of me talking, 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 talking. She's like, call your mama, okay? So I called my mama, and I told her what we are going to do, and she said, oh, dear Lord. I mean, immediately, she's concerned, Right? I mean, she wants to know that her 49-year-old boy is making the right move, right? She wants to know that I'm going the direction that God has for, for my life. She's the same way with both of my other brothers. Now, I'm not talking about the side of her that she would also confess worries, right? How I many know Holy Spirit's not worried about us? Holy Spirit is hovering in faith. Holy Spirit is hovering over our lives in faith. And here's the beauty of Genesis chapter 1 is that all of that chaos that's on the face of the earth, whatever happens between Genesis 1-1 and 1-2, that there is chaos in the earth, Holy Spirit's hovering, and out of the hovering of Holy Spirit comes order. So Holy Spirit hovers in our life. Holy Spirit is there in our lives moving, if you want to use that word. That's a great word for Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's moving in our life, constantly doing the opposite of what entropy does, Right? which brings everything from order to chaos. The Holy Spirit's constantly bringing chaos into order. There's something actually happening in the hovering of Holy Spirit. Mothers, that hovering heart you have, when it doesn't get tripped up by, by the enemy and moved into worry, that hovering heart you have is the heart of Holy Spirit. That's where that comes from. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 32. When I read Genesis chapter 1 about the hovering of Holy Spirit... That word's only used a couple more times in the Old Testament, and one of those times is in Deuteronomy chapter 32. It says this, As an eagle stirs up her nest, flutters, there's the word, hovers, right? So I believe there's precedent for applying this verse to Holy Spirit right here. It's the same word that's used in Genesis 1 verse 2. This hovering 
this fluttering of the mother eagle. As an eagle stirs up her nest and flutters over her young, spreads abroad her wings, takes them, bears them on her wings, so that the Lord alone, excuse me, so that the Lord alone did lead. So notice there's the hovering that's going on in, in this verse, but I want you to notice the second thing Holy Spirit does, and this is one of the things that also is such a trait of good mothers. Holy Spirit stubbornly believes in us. Holy Spirit stubbornly believes in us. Here's where I get that idea. The word hovers is there, and the next verb that's used is the word stirs. And it's a verb that means to stir, to arouse, to awaken. It is used of agitating someone or motivating him or her. The picture in this, in this story that Moses is telling in Deuteronomy of, of how Holy Spirit has mothered the children of Israel, the picture he is telling us of an eagle who would, you've heard me share this story before, right? The eagle believes that the little eaglets can fly. Mama eagle knows that. Little eagles don't get that, right? Little eagles don't get that. What they get is, nest feels good. Open mouth, mom and dad feed me, right? All I have to do is kick back in these feathers, Ooh, ha, ha, hoo, and open my mouth. Whatever an eagle sounds like, that's not it, right? <laughs> Baby eagle opens its mouth, and in comes the food, right? And just all they have to do is just kick back and relax. But mother eagle knows there's more in you than that. Ah, somebody with me. There's more in you than just kicking back in the little feathered nest. Enjoying your comfortable little life and God just dropping blessings on you, right? Mother Eagle knows you were made to fly. So Mother Eagle starts pulling the feathers out of the nest, right? So that the nest starts poking. Wait a minute, it's getting a little uncomfortable in here. What's going on inside this nest right now? I don't like this. I don't like this. Ha, ha, whatever an eagle does, right? How's the eagle sound? I know they're like screeching loud. I don't know what baby eagles sound like, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go, ha, ha, all right? So little baby eagle's like, no, come on, mama, what is going on? Come on, bring me some more of that order out of chaos here. Come on, there's some chaos going on in the nest. Mama, clean it up, right? Make me comfortable, Jesus. Make me comfortable, Holy Spirit. Come on, Papa, make me comfortable. But there's more in you than comfortable, right? And so then mama eagle takes little eagles, and she puts them on the edge of the nest, so they get used to that, and then she scoops them up on her wings, right? And now, oh, my God gosh they are flying through the air with eagle right now flying 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 going oh my gosh this is amazing i can't believe you do this and then at one point finally the little eagle the big eagle tips the wings and the little eagle starts right and they don't know what to do well, what does the eagle do? It swoops down, catches them. That's what the scripture says. Carries them on their pinions, catches them again, lifts them up again, and keeps doing this until the eagle finally starts moving their wings and finds out, oh, I can do what mama does. I can do what papa does, right? Holy Spirit is the same way. And, and this, is, this is the way mothers are. They fiercely, stubbornly believe we are more than we are. 
that more than we think we are. They believe you can talk to a mom whose son is in prison. And you can say to that mom, you talk to her about her son that's in prison, she'll say, oh, he is a good boy. Oh, there's so much good in him, right? And, and the person that may think that they know that person in prison may have them sized up and say, oh, you don't know, they're no good. They did this, they did this, and they did this. But mom says, no, but you don't know him like I know him. I know deep inside who he really is. I believe in him. Even if no one else in the world believes in you, your mama believes in you. A good mama. Right? How many know there's exceptions to all these things? Not everybody's always had good mamas, right? But many mamas believe in their children beyond the place that the children believe in themselves. And that's the way, that's the tenacity of Holy Spirit. And he believes, or she, believes in you so much, so much, that Holy Spirit is willing to make you uncomfortable. Holy Spirit is willing to take you to the edge. Come on, somebody. Holy Spirit is willing to take you on a flight, and Holy Spirit is willing to tilt the wings. <laughs> Have you ever felt yourself free-falling when you got out there and didn't know what you were doing? Like God called you to do something and you felt yourself free-falling. You didn't really have your footing, but Holy Spirit swoops in, catches you, right? So that's okay. You're going to fly, right? It's okay if sometimes you feel like you're free-falling. I'm not going to let you hit the ground, right? It's okay if sometimes you feel uncomfortable, but there's more in you. I'm willing for you to feel uncomfortable so that you fly, that is the mothering, tenacious Holy Spirit stubbornly believing in us. I say it this way in your notes. A mother's aggravating, persistent love comes from Holy Spirit. One of the words, again, is agitating or aggravating. Sometimes that stubborn belief is aggravating because we don't always believe about ourselves what Holy Spirit believes. We don't always believe about ourselves what our mothers believe about us but God has put mothers in our lives to echo the voice of Holy Spirit that says I believe in you I believe in you I believe in you I believe in you moms if that's not the kind of mom you have been you can be you can start today I'm talking about if you did it right you're hearing all these things you say well that's great I know that's what I was supposed to do but I didn't do it that was then right today's a new day Holy Spirit lives in you you can be a different mom today right? Because this is who Holy Spirit is in you. This is the kind of mothering spirit Holy Spirit has. Turn to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. This is actually the passage that got me on this, that, that really started burning inside of me to, to move this direction this morning. Mark chapter 1. Here's the story of a lovely lady. <laughs> okay, here's the story. <laughs> Sorry, I don't have to say everything that pops in my head, do I? Right? <laughs> Mark chapter 1. You have heard this story before, right? But I want you to hear from Mark. I mean, remember Mark of the four Gospels. I call Mark the action-adventure gospel. Mark hits the ground running. It's like a Rambo movie right from the start. I mean, it's moving. It is fast-paced, the book of Mark, all right? So right away in verse 9, there's no Christmas story in Mark. We are launching in to Jesus' baptism. It says in Mark chapter 1 verse 9, In those days Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And immediately coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens opening and the Spirit, like a dove, right? 
Sweet little dove. Sweet, pure dove. A spirit like a dove descends upon him. And a voice came out of the heavens. This is here, right here. You want to talk about where, where we get the idea that Father, Son, and Spirit all exist at the same time as three persons. Right here in this passage. So Holy Spirit's descending as a dove. I want you to notice it doesn't say the Holy Spirit is a dove. You with me? Okay. Some of you box in Holy Spirit. I want you to see that through this text. But then a voice comes out of heaven. So you got Jesus being baptized, Holy Spirit descending as a dove, and then a voice comes out of heaven and says, you are my beloved son, right? So this is Papa. This is Father God. You are my beloved son. Listen to what he says. In you I am well pleased. I mean, Jesus hadn't done one thing yet in ministry. Hadn't healed one person that we know of. Nothing's recorded in the Gospels. He's done nothing that, that should earn Papa saying this. Papa says this because this is who Papa is. And this is the relationship Papa has with the Son. Papa's speaking identity to the Son. Right? He's saying, you are my Son. I am well pleased in you right now. Before you've done a miracle, before you've gone to the cross, I am well pleased in you. What happens next? Immediately, the sweet little cooing dove, Holy Spirit, impelled is what the NASB says impelled Jesus to go out into the wilderness and he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan and he was with the wild beast and the angels were ministering to him. I want you to write this in your notes. Holy Spirit fiercely thrusts us into victory. The gentle, sweet... That's better than my eagle, right? The gentle, sweet, cooing dove impel that's quite an interesting word that nasb chose here's what it means force thrust urge drive out this is the same greek word that is used when jesus casts out devils when he forces a devil to come out of a person it's this word right here we typically think of sweet holy spirit Gently guiding us on the inside, right? Gently cooing within us. And sometimes that's exactly what Holy Spirit does. But that's not always how Holy Spirit leads. I want us to see this this morning. Holy Spirit is wild. Oh, ho, ho, ho. Holy Spirit, do you know what the, the Celtic Christians called Holy Spirit? This would offend some of us, but the, you can read it in history. Holy Spirit was called the wild goose. That is what the Celtic Christians called Holy Spirit. It's, it's like in Chronicles of Narnia when, when is it, there, the question is asked if Aslan, the lion, is tame, Right? And the answer is given, oh no, Aslan's not a tame lion, but Aslan is a good lion, right? Holy Spirit is not a tame cooing dove. Sometimes Holy Spirit manifests as a dove. Sometimes there is a stirring and a force and a power exerted in you so strong that you feel like, I was made to do this. I cannot not do this. 
I cannot not go this direction. Now, of course, you can resist. Holy Spirit, we're given free will. But there is such a forceful moving of Holy Spirit. And this is what Jesus experiences right here. That he is the same word for driving out a demon. There is a powerful force in him that is compelling him. Paul uses that word, right? Woe is me if I don't preach the gospel. I'm compelled. i got to do this. Have you ever felt that way about something that God's given you to do? Now, in this particular instance, he's being compelled, instead of going straight into ministry, he's being compelled to go into conflict. That's what happens, right? He's led into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. What is he going there for? To prove, to prove and by proving, I mean in the fire of testing, to prove that his identity is not in what he does, but in who he is. You with me? Because every one of those temptations from the enemy is, if you are, first two, if you are the Son of God, do this, right? If you are this, if the, I know you just heard that voice, but the temptation is, if that's who you really are, prove it. The proving was not for him to do something to prove it. The proving or the testing was so that in the fire, what would come up out of Jesus was, I am the Son of God. I don't have to prove that to anyone. I don't have to do one miracle to prove it to the devil. I don't have to do anything to show. I don't have to bow down and worship you to get the kingdoms of the earth. I don't have to take a shortcut. I can walk out the plan my Father has for me, even if it's a long-range plan and even if it takes me to the cross. I can do all those things because I know who I am. I am the Son of God, and in me, he's well-pleased. And the, the Spirit of God did not lead Jesus into this moment so that he would fail. He led him into this moment so that he would win. You with me? Any conflict that Holy Spirit brings you into is so that you will win and be victorious in the conflict, right? He, in your notes, this dove is on fire, <laughs> right? That was for me. I just needed to do that. This is a fiery, forceful, not tame, not mild-mannered, don't put in a box, I've got something to accomplish and complete in the earth and I will fulfill my will and I will have my son and I will have the the father's sons and daughters brought into the house. This fire burns in Holy Spirit. Impelling, compelling, thrusting, urging fire. You know, it's a mother's forceful, not backing down love is from Holy Spirit. That I'm not giving up on you. I don't care if anybody else gives up on you. There is something in you you're called to do. It's that thing in a mom that when a, when a kid goes to the mom and says, I've been taking piano lessons for two days. I'm tired of it. No, you committed to this and you can do it. You can finish what you start. Right? You hear what I'm saying? It's that fire inside of a mom that says there's more in you. You're giving up. Or the, you know, the kid tries one time and it doesn't work. It's that fire in a mom's heart that says, no, get back up again. You can do this. Come on, I'm, I'm, I'm leading you. It's, it's that fire in a mom's heart that believes that a little baby can walk when the little baby starts and falls down, and the mom's right there joyfully. I'm not talking about an angry, that's not Holy Spirit. I'm talking about a joyful fire that says, come on, you can do this. Rise up again. You can, you can stand up, you can walk, you can be everything that you're called to be. In your notes, I've already said this, but Holy Spirit only thrusts you into spiritual battles that you're equipped to win. 
only thrust you into spiritual battles that you're equipped to win. That's how Holy Spirit works in our lives. All right, let's look at Acts chapter 1, verse 8. I've got to wrap this up. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, in your notes, says, you will receive, this is what Jesus promises, you will receive power when Holy Spirit has come upon you. So the next thing that Holy Spirit does as a fearful mother is Holy Spirit empowers us. Holy Spirit empowers us. Now, I won't stay here long because I've preached on this many times, but I just love this word power. It's the word dunamis. It's where we get the word dynamite. Dynamite, dynamism. These, these come from this word dunamis. That Jesus says you're going to receive dunamis. Now, that word dunamis means, in your notes, it's inherent power. Power residing in a thing by virtue of its nature. By virtue of who you are as a son of God, as a daughter of God, that power exists in you already. All right? By virtue of its nature. What, what are we allowing that power to accomplish? That's a different question. But that power, there is inherent power, power residing in you by virtue of your nature. The second word is it's power for performing miracles. That's exactly what this word means. Dunamis is power for performing miracles. And Jesus promised that you would receive power when Holy Spirit comes upon you. So there's power for performing miracles, the gifts of the Spirit, healings, deliverance, miracles, all the things that we believe in, that power resides within a believer. Thirdly, moral power and excellence of, of soul. You will receive moral power, the ability to live out what God has called you to live out. To not only be righteous in that Jesus calls you righteous, but to actually live a life that reflects that righteousness. Comes from dunamis power, that's from Holy Spirit. What Jesus says is that you'll receive that power when Holy Spirit, notice in your notes, has come upon you. Now this is what is confusing sometimes for believers, for Pentecostal, which we are, for Pentecostal believers... It's led some people to believe that sometimes Holy Spirit comes upon me, and sometimes he doesn't or she doesn't. Sometimes I feel the power, sometimes I don't feel the power. I'm just waiting, I'm tarrying for Holy Spirit to come upon you. And so it's led to some confusion. But this idea, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to unravel it in the next couple of minutes, <laughs> but this idea of Holy Spirit coming upon you, write this in your notes, this is a mother's smothering love. Oh, that smothering love of mom that just won't get away. You can't get away from. You cannot get away from Holy Spirit's. I mean, you can try to run if you want to. You can try to get away from Holy Spirit if you want to, but how many found out it doesn't work very well? Holy Spirit does not give up that on-you smothering love of Holy Spirit. Here's the deal. Holy Spirit in you, every believer, every single believer has Holy Spirit living in them. So when we talk about Holy Spirit upon you, I'll say it this way. Holy Spirit in you wants to explode out of you and come upon your life with power. Not drop down out of the sky. Holy Spirit, a New Testament understanding of Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8 says those that letter the Spirit of God are sons of God. So every child of God 
is led by the Spirit of God, has Holy Spirit. We've been given His Spirit, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. We call Him Daddy because Holy Spirit lives in us, enabling us to call Him Papa God. Every believer has Holy Spirit living on the inside of them. Here's the deal. In John chapter 4, Holy Spirit is a well in every believer. But in John chapter 7, Holy Spirit, actually I should have said, is reverse. Because that's the correct translation. Holy Spirit is reverse. That now is not only a well in you for you, but now comes up out of you and gets on you for others. Because the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord was on Jesus, and He did miracles, and He brought recovery of sight to the blind. He fulfilled Isaiah 61, right? Holy Spirit in you wants to erupt and explode out of you, and that's how Holy Spirit gets on you. In Matthew 3.11, Jesus speaks about it this way. He promises that we will be baptized with, or baptized in, Holy Spirit. You can, people use either word. Baptized with Holy Spirit, or baptized in, in Holy Spirit. But the thing I want you to get this morning, and you, you can see this in your notes, is that this is an outpouring, not an inpouring. You with me? Holy Spirit wants to explode out of you, He's not being poured into you from somewhere up there. Up there now is in here. And now in here begins to explode and is outpoured, is this outpouring comes out of you and I. This is, this is how I understand baptism of the Holy Spirit to work for a believer. The Holy Spirit lives in you and now Holy Spirit in you says, I don't just want to be a well, I want to be rivers of living water flowing out of your life into the, the street that you live on, into the family that you're a part of, into the job that you work. Holy Spirit wants to flow out of you. So what is that baptism of the Holy Spirit? What does that look like? And I'm preaching this on purpose, and we're going to wrap this up, but I'm preaching this because next week is Pentecost weekend. And we are inviting you to come and pray in the Spirit for 50 hours. But if you've never prayed in the Spirit, you can come and sit and pray in English if you want. But you, I want to give you an opportunity to experience this encounter with the wild, forceful, powerful Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of you, that wants to empower you for miracles, to empower you to live the life that God's called you to live. Act, what does it look like in Acts 2 and Acts 10 and Acts 19 when this event called baptism of the Holy Spirit, when it's described, this experience is accompanied with speaking in tongues or spiritual language in every one of those examples. It's a part. Now, here's the thing about speaking in tongues speaking in tongues or spiritual language i say it this way in your notes is a benefit you can expect with holy spirit baptism not proof some old pentecostal language is that the evidence of you being baptized in the spirit is you pray in tongues it's not a badge it's not proof of anything all right look at spiritual language as a benefit of being baptized in holy spirit that this fierce, mothering, powerful Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of you wants to erupt out of you. And part of what you can expect, because it's the biblical precedent example of what happened when people were baptized in the Holy Spirit, part of what you can expect is a, how, many, how many of your mama told you, clean your language up? Maybe some of you need to tell your mama to clean your language up. That's another story, right? Okay, that's mama that still needs that in her life too. But some of us had a mama that told us to clean our, our language up, right? Holy Spirit doesn't say, clean your language up. Holy Spirit comes and anoints your tongue. 
Holy Spirit comes and gives you a new language to pray in that your mind doesn't know because Holy Spirit will pray things about your life you would never have the guts to pray for yourself. Holy Spirit will speak something over your life and over your wife and over your family and over your job and over your city and over your circumstance that is directly from the heart of God that you wouldn't even know how to say. Holy Spirit gives you language that you don't have. That's what tongues is, a way to pray beyond a way you can pray. That's one of the things that Holy Spirit does. You've heard me say this a hundred times about the benefit of tongues. I would never go to a shoe store and say, I love those Nikes, but keep the tongues. I would take the whole shoe, right? I want the whole package. You don't, do you have to pray in tongues? No, you don't have to. You get to. You get to. This is a benefit that if anybody wants to receive today, the powerful mothering, indwelling Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of you wants to erupt out of you today. So we're going to close this morning. I'm actually going to give the opportunity for people that want to receive that to receive that. Will you stand with me today?